0: All right. <laughs> So it's
1: We bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and welcome you to, to, what's the name of our church? Christ Reformed Church. And welcome to our Lessons and Carols service. This is one of our favorite services all through the years. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to look at the Word of God and read the Word of God and understand some of the principles of the Word of God, but also to sing the Word of God in the great old uh, Christmas carols uh, of the faith. So we're looking forward to this evening. And again, as the evening will progress, basically we will have a reading of Scripture. I will have some uh, brief commentary more or less brief commentary on the passage, and then we will sing a carol together that relates to that particular uh, passage. And then towards the end, we will have our candlelight uh, service And uh, in, uh, in just in terms of focusing upon Jesus Christ, who is the light that came into the world. Our call to worship comes to us from John, and we are going to be looking at the Gospel of John during this year's lessons and carols. Uh, and John, later on, after chapter, the beginning part, the prelude in chapter 1, John states this about John the Baptist. The next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let us worship God. Holy Father, we do come before you on this Christmas Eve celebrating the truth that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we thank you, God, that that flesh meant so many things. But one thing it did mean that you were the Lamb of God and that you did take away our sins. And for that reason, we can, with a holy confidence as a child uh, of, that, that loves his father, can approach the throne of grace as we approach our great father in heaven. And because of that, we just want to bless you tonight. We want to take this next hour to sing praises to you, to read your word, to understand your word. And we just want Christmas to be near and dear to our hearts And so excited about the fact that the God-man Jesus Christ lived and died for us. That we just can't keep silent. We want to take this joy to the world tonight. We ask blessings upon this time. Pray for all the various readers. Pray, God, that, uh, that what we would understand, that everything we would understand would be applied to our lives, God. And that we would just dearly and more passionately fall in love with you this evening. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Addison. We are uh, focusing our lessons this year on the gospel of John uh, and about that gospel. Martin Luther made this comment. This is the unique, tender, genuine chief gospel. Should a tyrant succeed in destroying the Holy Scriptures... And only a single copy of the epistle to the Romans and the gospel, according to John, escape him, Christianity would be saved. That's a pretty remarkable statement. But in particular, uh, the understanding of who Jesus is is found in this prelude to John. John opens up his amazing gospel with this wonderful prelude and emphasizes the deity of. Of Jesus Christ. And one of the downsides, maybe, is that some people have heard this so many times or sung some of these carols so many times that they become dull and they really don't believe some of the things that John said. For instance, some of our Christmas carols contain these very words Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the favored one, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed, hailed incarnate deity. And yet, there are a lot of people in churches, even today, even tomorrow, that would say, oh, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but he wasn't God. Folks, our passages tonight just simply do not give that option. The Bible does not give that option. Jesus was fully man and fully God. And you have to believe that. Otherwise, your sins are not forgiven. To be a Christian is to recognize both the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ When rebuking some of his people who were attacking him, John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. So this is the great emphasis of the Gospel of John. Notice how he starts off. He starts off the New Testament in a sense, just like the Old Testament starts off in the beginning. in N-R-K. It's another way to kind of connect with the, the creation account of Genesis. Another way of saying that Jesus Christ existed from all eternity. In the beginning, they, God created the heavens and the earth. You see the creation account there. Now, as we come into the New Testament, we see what the, new, the recreation account is to look like. He says that Jesus Christ was the word, the logos, the divine logos. This is something that was uh, steeped in both Greek and in uh, Hebrew tradition, this idea of logos. Uh, Psalm 33 says this, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. God spoke the word into existence. Uh, The term logos was used technically in Greek philosophy, particularly in regards to the Stoics, Uh, as denoting the controlling reason of the universe, the all-pervasive mind which ruled and gave meaning to all things. Logos was one of the purest and most general concepts of that ultimate intelligence, reason, or will that they call God. So, in a sense, uh, John is reflecting upon Jewish thought, but he's also being very evangelical. He's saying, you Greeks, you Greeks, let me tell you what the name of your Logos is. His name is Jesus. The Word became flesh." He says here the word was God. He is God and respects that God is the Logos. The uh, Jesus is the Logos, the word that expresses and reflects the mind of God. But he also reveals God to man. Word is a self-expression of divine speech. And the psalmist tells the testimony of who God is in Psalm 19. The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is de- declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. So creation itself reflects the glory of this word of God. And he also says the word was God, but the word was with God. That, that technically, uh, in the Greek, is actually the word was face-to-face with God. It reflects basically a, 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 the, most po- the closest possible relationship with the Father. Uh, it was the, his supreme delight to be with God the Father. Uh, and uh, one commentator says this, John intends the whole of this gospel to be read in the light of this verse. These deeds and words of Jesus are the deeds and the words of God. If this is not true, then this book is blasphemous. So this, uh, this kind of condescending, oh yeah, Jesus was a wonderful rabbi, a wonderful teacher, is just, you cannot believe that if you actually believe the gospel of John. According to B.B. B. Warfield, the great Princeton theologian, speaking thus of Jesus by his great design, the word, and, and, or his manifested God, uh, John makes three assertions concerning him. In the first of these, he declares his eternal substance. In the second, his eternal inner communion with God. The third, his eternal identity with God, you see here a doctrine of the, a point of the doctrine of the Trinity. He is God, but he's also with God. He is also separate from God. And then, of course, this beautiful passage here that speaks of the creation glory of Jesus Christ. All things came into being by him and apart from him. Nothing came into being that has come into being. Just as Genesis was came into being, uh, Jesus has given credit to this. The Son of God has given credit here. We ought to see that in the epistles. Colossians chapter 1, Paul says this. For by him... Jesus Christ, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So not only is he the creator of the universe, he is also the sustainer of the universe. He's not only the creator of life, he is the sustainer of all life. That's, that's a pretty remarkable feat for someone who many people consider just a great teacher. Just a powerful rabbi, just a social justice warrior. As Meryl Tinney says, Christ is the medium through whom deity expresses itself. Christ himself was not created. He was eternally present, and yet he created all things, and all things were created by him. This is, really was the principle at the, the Council of Nicaea when uh, St. Nicholas of Myra famously slapped the heretic Arius at the Council of Nicaea uh, because he said that Jesus had been created. There was a time when he was not, and in a sense, St. Saint, Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, slapped Arius with John 1, 1-5, right across the face, according to tradition. Isaiah 55 says this, As for the heavens are higher than, uh, uh, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. As for the rain, the snow come down from heaven, they do not return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnish seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Jesus is the personified word. He fulfills Isaiah 55 in his ministry. He was sent from God in order to accomplish a particular divine purpose. It unfailingly accomplished his purpose, and then he returns to God after finishing his mission. This is Jesus Christ, the word of God. Let's now sing our first carol of the night of the Father's love, begotten uh, hymn number 162. Please rise. Hear now the word of the Lord from John chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is the word of the Lord. In beautiful poetry, John explains really in many ways the, the person of Jesus Christ, but also his ministry. In him was life. He was self-existent. In life and light here, you see these uh, illustrations of what uh, Jesus did. He brought life by bringing light. Uh, life and light are really in many ways uh, Uh, symbolic of many religions but certainly of Christianity it's the reason why we decorate our Christmas trees with lights and the town with lights uh, because the light of the world has come to be with us when light is manifest life is manifested it is called light there's even scientific uh, uh, proof now that when a sperm uh, comes together with with an egg and creates an embryo that, that that embryo actually produces light the life of people actually has an aura about it. And, of course, Jesus Christ was the ultimate uh, representation of that. This word of God brings life. Light, of course, is, uh, is, is symbolic of truth. Darkness is symbolic of error and falsehood. And uh, that's what Jesus is bringing in. He came to t- destroy the domain of darkness, according to Colossians one thirteen. And notice this, the darkness does not comprehend it. It might be better interpreted, in your interpretation of your Bibles may say this, but to overcome, the darkness will not overcome the light. Now folks, we got to remember that (laughs) we live in a dark time. The news is so often dark and sometimes we despair about the hope of Christianity, the hope of truth, but the darkness will not overcome the light because the light is on God's side and God is all powerful. He even controls uh, the the movements of the darkness John three nineteen, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. So that's one of the scary things is that while we are attracted to the light we love the light we want more light many people are repulsed by the light they're offended by the light they are troubled by the light and they don't want the light that you would bring to them in conversation. you see something, this seems like a sort of an abrupt uh, transition here with this comment about John the Baptist coming. But really, it's very appropriate in many ways because John the Baptist was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And of course, we're going to go into transitions about Jesus' public ministry. But what he says there is that John the Baptist says, there came a man named John. He appeared uh, because he was sent from God. This, of course, uh, affirms the great role of, of John, who was to be the messenger to prepare the way of the light to come. Now we're going to stand and sing Heart the Herald Angels, sing uh, uh, hymn number 203. Hear now the word of the Lord from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Not that the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the powers to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of, uh, of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tommy. Of course, again, this reference to light, he is the true life. Jesus Christ is the true life, as opposed to false light. There's a lot of false light uh, out there that are leading people astray. Uh, and this is their spiritual warfare all about us. The apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What seems to be so clear to us so rational, so meaningful, so important is just completely lost on so many people because their minds are blinded to this. John emphasizes this idea: this is the true light, this is a especially distinctive. Uh, term in the gospel of john all but five of the 28 uses of the new testament this idea of truth are in john's writings he loves that principle of truth and this word uh, this light came into the world again that's the incarnation right uh, to come in the flesh uh, but the tragic reality is even with all the efforts that god went to uh, to become man and come into the world most people will reject him and they do not see the light and yet there's this point here that this light enlightens every man. In other words, uh, there's, a, there's a potential there for people to be able to see the light, but people are without excuse for rejecting it. The Apostle Paul says the same thing, that creation itself uh, reveals the glory of God, and yet well, we really don't want to, to look at the glory of God. If we recognize there's a God who created all this, then we know that we're going to be accountable, so we come up for other reasons for creation. But they will reject the light because as uh, as uh, John says in chapter three, uh, they flee because their deeds will be exposed by the light. Uh, he came into his own, and those who were owned did not receive them. This is of course speaking of of uh, the Jews there, uh, his own people, uh, the covenant people of God. This verse in particular was uh, meaningful to uh, Augustine and his conversion, uh, reflecting on the fact that, that God is making an offer, but that offer he is personally, at this point in time in his life, uh, rejecting. Uh, but as many as believe them, they gave them he gave the right to become children of God. Again, it's a belief issue. Uh, you, you secure your salvation through faith. And it comes to you from grace. And that, that faith is even grace to you. This is not a works issue, which is what most of the other religions teach. You have to work your way. You have to earn God's favor. You have to earn his approval. But to them, He, uh, he uh, to as many as received them, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, it's almost so simple we reject it on its simplicity. Shouldn't eternal salvation be more complicated? Well, it was complicated enough to cost Jesus Christ his life. Pretty complicated. God made the sacrifice, though you do not. Even those who believe in his name here. And he talks, he has this but, this transition here, um, and and this idea that we become the children of God. This is the, the doctrine of adoption. We are adopted into God's family. And literally, it would not be too extreme to call all of you, if you're a Christian, a prince of the king of the universe a princess of the king of the universe you've been adopted into god's royal family that's uh that's powerful (laughs) if you really ponder upon that truth and this idea of being received that means to be take hold of or obtain or to grasp that is what you have to do jesus expects you to be able to do this and notice the effort he puts through to show that this isn't something that you do on your own You're born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God. It's God's will that saves you, which, of course, refers here to our our doctrine of of election, which comes up uh, constantly. I don't actually hunt for that doctrine. It's just in so many texts, it's unavoidable, if if you're honest about it. So the idea that the people of God, Abraham's people, uh, uh, rejected Messiah by and large, but God still had a plan. He had a plan that the church would become the recipient of the promises made to Abraham. And we are born not of the flesh, but of God. We're born from above. We are born again because of what Christ did. O Little Town of Bethlehem, hymn number 201, please rise. Here now the word of the Lord from John 1, 14 and 15. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is, per- is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve. The word became flesh. That's the most concise biblical statement of the incarnation in all of Holy Scripture. The word God became flesh, put on the frailty of humanity. Uh, And this is interesting because we often have to defend the deity of Christ. We don't seem to have to defend the humanity of Christ. Most people would say, yeah, he actually lived. Uh, But you have to have those two together. In some ways, the humanity of Christ is just as important. But one of the problems in the early church was a heresy called docetism. Docetism uh, comes from the word "dokeo" to seem or to appear, embrace uh, the, the, the dualism of Greek philosophy. And that is that all things physical are evil and all things spiritual or good. Therefore, God couldn't become flesh because flesh and in and of itself is a bad thing. So how do we explain the cross? Well, uh, Jesus must have appeared as a phantom. He must have, uh, he must not actually have been, uh, you know, a human being. He just appeared to look like this. So the Council of Chalcedon uh, met in 451 AD and came up with this summary. Therefore, following the Holy Fathers, We all with one accord teach men to acknowledge one, the same son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as once complete in Godhead and complete in manhood, truly God and truly man, consisting also of a reasonable soul and body, of one substance with the father as regards to his Godhead, and at the same time, one substance with us as regard to his manhood. The key to understand is that the divine son of God became human without losing any Of his divinity. And what did this God man do? He dwelt among us. The word there is actually, you could translate it, tabernacled amongst us. He tented among us, going back to the idea of the tabernacle in the wilderness uh, where God appeared to Moses and the people of Israel. And Jesus, of course, is the only begotten. That does not refer to his origin. It refers to him as his unique position as the only son of God. Isaac would be properly called Abraham's only begotten son in Hebrews 11, even though Abraham had other children. So he is one unique son. We're now going to sing, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. As we sing this hymn, we will be lighting our candles. And again, the best way to do this little candle lighting technique, learn from the church fathers, The burning candle stays still while, you, while the unburnt one goes like this, and that keeps you from dripping wax all everybody's pretty Christmas uh, outfit. So we're going to sing this hymn, and then uh, we're going to sing Silent Night. Holy night, you will remain seated as we sing these hymns. Verses 16 through 18. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This principle of law, grace, comes up often in Scripture. Grace triumphs over law. The purpose of law was to point us as a tutor to grace and grace is superior to law just as Jesus Christ the Lord is superior to Moses the teacher this exalted position that Christ uh, holds you remember that scene in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah sees the Lord of uh, high and exalted with a train of his robe filling uh, the uh, the temple and the and the cherubim are saying holy holy is to the Lord And it's just this overwhelming sight to where Isaiah says oh woe oh is me I'm a dead man uh, John makes reference to that particular passage in uh, John chapter 12, 40, and he says this, these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and spoke of him concerning him. The glory of the one he's talking about there is Jesus Christ, the son of God, the creator and sustainer of life, the one that we celebrate uh, it's birth tomorrow on Christmas. Notice this that it is He, Jesus Christ, who explains God. That idea of explain is where we get our word exegete, where we do exegetical preaching. Where we explain a particular passage. Uh, Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 11, No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, anyone to, to whom the Son reve- wills to reveal Him. So God has chosen you, Christian. Uh, to have his son reveal the father to you, adopt you into his family, and to save you by this marvelous, marvelous grace. That's why we celebrate Christmas today. Certainly is joyful, isn't it? (laughs) Let's take this joy into the world. Uh, Let us uh, stand and sing hymn number 195, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. Amen. Receive now the benediction, the good word of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and have a very happy Christmas.